Welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi, episode 18. I'm your host, Naomi, still with you from Saratoga. And in a little bit, I will be joined on the airways by Hall of Fame jockey, all-time leading money earner in North America and a brilliant spokesperson for the sport, Johnny Velasquez. Also, you know the drill. Please subscribe to Talk Racing to Me feed, rate the episodes, and let me know what you think. This, of course, also goes for the In The Money Media Network and the top lineup of podcasts that are going live every single day. But before Johnny joins us, can we briefly recap the weekend? I want to revisit the weekend. The Travers... It just lived up to his expectation. Tears the lot was so impressive, so dominant. He won me and I dare say a few others over here. I, I wasn't the biggest of fan before. Of course, you know, he was doing great, but he just hadn't convinced me yet. I saw him win the Belmont, which he did so duly and with a three, three-quarter margin. But to me, he wasn't just, he just wasn't that super horse yet. Well... <laughs> This Travers completely changed that for me. He sat three wide, Manny pushed a button, and off he went. The figure backs up uh, his progression as a three-year-old with a career-best 109 buyer. It just really felt like we all witnessed something special last Saturday at Saratoga. This race is what got me excited and kind of lit that tiny little flame of hope that tis might go on to win the Derby and come to the Preakness as a Triple Crown contender. I mean, can we please? We need a horse like him to guide us through this year. And can we just chat about the start of the race? And don't worry, nothing wrong with there in terms of the race itself. I just want to describe what the atmosphere was like at the track. I, I got the chance to watched a race in close proximity to Barclay Tag and his assistant trainer Robin Smullen uh, because we had a camera on him and before the race it was incredibly quiet Uh, everyone that was there watching were either owners or grooms or trainers or you know like a, a handful of connections and collectively this very select audience was just holding their breath until the gates opened and it, it sounds like such a cliche, but it really felt like you could hear a pin drop. And as I mentioned, I stood next to Robin and Barkley, and as Tiz started to kick home in the stretch, they just both started shouting and getting so excited and moving. And it was such a surreal moment. When he crossed the wire, Barkley started walking towards the winner's circle, and he had this big smile on his face, and he was getting congratulated left, right, and center. And my heart was just racing the entire time. This is what the sport can do to you. And and personally, I don't get this feeling that often or with every horse, but this was kind of it. It really just gave me those butterflies and, and heart racing. Come on, Tiz, please, please, please lead us to the Preakness. And with regards to the latter, Preakness 145 is the reason this episode got dropped slightly later than usual because it's been a really busy week for me. There is a lot to come, and hopefully next week I will be able to share a bit more news with you all. So stay tuned. I'm very, very excited. 
And getting back to the stakes action of last weekend at Saratoga, I watched the ballerina and the test from the home turn, waiting for a special mister to arrive at his the law. We had some cameras there. We wanted to make sure we caught every single moment. And it was very cool for me to see them running down the back stretch, trying to get a position and then going into that home turn. And with Serengeti Empress in the ballerina, I feel like I truly grasped the brilliance of her running and how much heart she showed when actually only watching the replay because I saw you know I saw her coming down and I saw how fast they were going but you don't know what actually happened until you get the chance to watch that replay and the trip she got and how fast they went early 43 and 3 for the half she just wouldn't back down she just kept on going and if that isn't exactly what we all look for and love in a thoroughbred I, I don't know what is and then Gamin in the test. I mean, I get the chance to talk at length with the man that's been on board for two of her four victories, Johnny V. But wow, I saw her powering around the turn and she just goes. Now physically, I got the chance to see her in her stall at Saratoga. She's uh, she's quite a big lady. She is, was standing next to Uncle Chuck, who's also quite sizable and quite lengthy. She's tall, long and muscled. I wouldn't rule her out running against the Colts. I would love her I love her to do so because there's no way any of them could bully her around. That's all I wanted to share with you guys. I think we should get to our incredible guest, Johnny Velasquez. Johnny, can we start by discussing the most exciting filly to have graced the race course this year, Gamine? She won the acorn by 18 and three quarter lengths, uh, the test by seven. You'll have to indulge my curiosity. What does she feel like to sit on? Uh, it's incredible. You know, just to have the opportunity, first of all, uh, thanks to Bob and the owners who gave me the opportunity to ride her. Um, and just this past two races, she's been very incredible and she's definitely a very special horse. Um, and, you know, there's not much to say. She's, she's quick and she's, uh, she takes you whatever she wants to do. I don't, you know, I don't do very much with her. Just kind of let her do whatever she wants to do with the first part of the race. And then by, you know, Right before the quarter pole, let her know that she she needs to start doing something, and she she responds right away. And obviously, she that's that's what she looks. She she does it so easier, though, you know. And uh, it makes me look good, really. I mean, I just care for it happening. So we should say she's sort of very push button. She just goes whenever you ask her to. Absolutely, yes, yes. And in terms of her character, what what is she like? She's very easy, very very easy. I mean, in the warm up, she's very very nice. Uh, she does everything really good. She has a good mind on her. I mean, she's pretty easy though. You know, she's very laid back. Uh, once that door's open, it's like uh, her mind knows what to do. You know, she she's very professional and you know, obviously, and she has shown how she's running. So, um, but she's really, I mean, so nice to do anything that you ask her to do, and it's just. You know, it's special to be around her. <laughs> well, after all these years and everything you've accomplished, does a horse like this still make you feel, you know, excited to be at the racetrack? Absolutely. This is why I'm still around, basically, you know. I've been around for a long time. Um, and this this is the horses that will really keep you coming back. But, you know, you dream for another one like this, like coming back and give you the thrill and uh, the excitement just to be part of of. Uh, the horse like this, though, you know, and uh, it really is 
I don't want to say it, but it's like a drug, you know. You you want to have something like this, <laughs> uh, like you you want to have that experience having a good host like her. So it's definitely a special. Does does she get you out of bed in the morning? Is this sort absolutely, of the excitement yeah. that you so? Yes, absolutely. It's just like it's when you have a horse like this. This is what keeps you going, you know. Keep you thinking. It's like, oh yeah, I've still got it. I got got a good horse. So you know, this is what uh, you're still dreaming about. You're still hungry. You're hungry for that uh, that kind of horses like that. You're still hungry after what is it? Thirty one years you've been around. You have to correct me on this one. Yeah, that's about thirty one years. Yes. Wow, you must have seen it all. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I, I think that the racetracks and and the horses is always surprise you. Something that surprises you. This is why it makes horse racing so interested, uh, interesting. As like you said, uh, that you always learn from something, uh, and you should always try to learn from everybody, from different jockeys and different styles of riding, but also from from the horses themselves. So. Um, I don't think I've seen him all, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I don't know. It's always something different that, that shows up and, and you say, well, I was not expecting that. So it's always surprising, you know. You just said that you're always learning and still learning in terms of different styles of riding. Are there any of the current jockeys that you've looked at and say, oh, that's a new thing. Maybe I'll adapt and incorporate that into my repertoire as a jockey? Well, for me, I just try to see the competition and see what they have changed, you know, and uh, and try to adapt what they do. And, you know, you, you got to compete, you know, and I know you have to follow instructions and you got to do things. Uh, and people who does give you uh, free hands and you have to change things as it goes when the race is open. But, you know, you got to adapt to everybody who comes, though, you know, and who's, who's doing really well and, and how their riding style has changed for them for the time being, though, you know, uh, so you got to adapt to that. So, so you, you got you got to try to beat those guys, though, you know. So every time you have the opportunity that you're out in a good horse, it's how are you going to try to be the other ones that are doing really well. And I think that's what keeps me also uh, in the edge. I want to be part of it. I want to be, you know, competitive. Uh, so you, you you have to learn from that, though, you know. And obviously, I've been around for a long time, so I've seen a lot of jockeys coming and going, and I competed with so many really good riders. So you kind of have to adapt to those styles and and, uh, and how they ride and and how they see races though. So uh, I like that. I like the competition. I like to see how uh, it makes me feel and how it, 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 it tests me, if you will, you know, like mentally, physically and everything. So uh, that's a competitive in me. I don't know. That's just I like, like to, you know, I, 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 I don't know it all. That's for sure. You know, and I'm sure that I'd like to see the other guys, how they're doing and how they're winning races. So, so, so you learn from everybody. Well, you're required to be at your best every single day in every single race. That That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't know if it's pressure. I just think that it's, it's interesting and it's comp- being competitive, you know, that uh, you have to try to be at your best at the uh, most of the time, I mean, obviously, we're not perfect. We all make mistakes, but you just want to make it the, the least mistakes possible. You mentioned that you learn from other jockeys, but I'm assuming that there's a fair few jockeys that use you as a you know as an example and, and possibly want to learn from the way you conduct yourself inside the race course, outside the race course, and, and how you ride. Do you help other jockeys as well? Or if you see something happening, would you pull someone up and say, uh, that's not how we do it? 
Absolutely. No, no. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, I've been around for a long time. Like I said, again, um, NFA, I think is, is something that is not uh, safe, you know, for, for anybody or for all of us. Obviously, you have to, you have to speak out you know, and, and this is the way we should be doing it. Um, not the way they're, they're going to come in and, and not make every, uh, a safety environment for, for everybody. So, yeah. Is that also sort of a cultural thing? I mean, there must be a lot of chat between the jockeys, friendships, but also, I hope, room for what you just mentioned. I think uh, the friendship have to go away when when safety is involved. You know, I mean, obviously, we all have families and and everybody wants to win, but uh, also we need to be competitive, you know, but it's a a fine line to how we can take it, though, you know, so... We want to take care of everybody. I mean, I like to see everybody coming back in one piece. So if it's something that I don't like, I'm going to say it, you know, so. And I think it makes it makes it for everybody, you know, safety for everybody and, and better writing anyway. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to Gamine because I wasn't not entirely finished chatting about her just yet, but I wanted to pick your brain on the other bits that you you hinted upon. What are her plans for the year? We, we caught up really briefly at the racetrack uh, the other day. You mentioned that, they're aiming her at the Oaks, the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah, that's what I heard. You know, I think uh, Bob and the owners they were thinking about taking to the Oaks. So you know, whatever they do, um, that's where I'm gonna go. <laughs> I like to stay on her, and you know, and hopefully continue the success with her. You know, so this is this is what uh, they keep you excited in the game, keep you keep you coming back for more. You know, so hopefully she stays down, she trains well, and hopefully we can see her in the Oaks again. For sure. I'd love to see her back again. You think the, the end goal would be a race like the Breeders' Cup Distaff? That I don't know. You know, I don't think that they haven't gone that far, you know. Um, I think they, they'll take it step by step and hopefully she wins on the Oaks and she does well. I don't know what they, they would do. I don't know. She's still young. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be very interesting to see where they place her. We, we did a a fantasy derby draft for three-year-olds and Jonathan Kinchin actually picked her in his draft hoping she might end up in the Preakness because it was only points for the derby, the Preakness and the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, that I don't know. You know, I, I mean, they haven't talked, at least to me, uh, how far they're thinking about it, what, what to do with her. Um, obviously, she still have a, uh, a race picked out, but hopefully the Oaks and they will go from there, you know. And we can't wait to see her again one day. And you have a few other exciting mounts coming up this weekend. The card came out today, so I had a quick look. I see you're named on Gufo for Christophe Clement in the Saratoga Derby Invitational. Yes, he's running really well. Um, I think uh, getting a good trip in the race, and, and obviously with his older horse that he has in the, in the race, uh, he's the horse to beat. Um, and hopefully... Uh, we can come first, basically, you know. <laughs> so he has a decorated invader in there as well. Exactly. Yeah, so he's the, the other horse to be. I mean, very interesting having two very good horses for the same trainer in there. Uh, uh, any yeah. ideas of the game plan? or? Well, I haven't talked to him yet. You know, obviously, he's, he, the other horse that he has is obviously a very good horse as well. Um, so I'll have to play it here and I, was, I will talk to him what he thinks about the race and I haven't really looked at, into the race and see the, the you know who's in it and uh, how the, the the races should be set up so I'll be talking to him soon and, and then we'll we make a decision what 
we what were the plans for 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 this horse in the race you know well we can move on to the the grade one alabama where you're riding spice is nice for top pleasure i mean that is can be quite the race you have a crystal ball in there who ran such a game second in the cca oaks and swiss skydiver who took on the boys in the bluegrass but spice is nice she won last time out with you on board uh, what can you tell us about her She's always been a, a horse that we liked uh, from the beginning. Uh, she has thrown up a races kind of so-so, you know, so um, I don't know. I mean, she, she definitely has the talent. She, she needs to show up. Obviously, it's going to be a really tough race. Um, but if it shows up, she'll be a really, really tough girl. I mean, if, if she comes on her best, uh, I think uh, they will have to run really hard, you know, to beat her. So, But then again, you know, she just had to come on her best, you know. So she has thrown some races that... Um, kind of, you know, pull your hair. So, I mean, I don't know why she run like this, but um, hopefully she can come back just like, like she won last time out and she's uh, finally getting what she needs to do, you know? Yeah, and do you think it's a, it's a positive as well that she has a little bit of early speed? Uh, there is a bit of a running, though. It's a mile and a quarter. How, in terms of positioning yeah. as a jockey, do you move forward from that? She's going to be close. She's going to be So, obviously, that filly that you're talking about, they're running against the boys. She might be might be going on, uh, to the lead or close to the lead. Um, and the way they, they feel they run her best is when she's closer to, you know, to the front runner. She doesn't have to be on the lead, but she had to be close enough where she get her mind and running. Though. If she's too far back, uh, I don't think she tries very hard, though. You know, I don't know. So it's just just the one race that I didn't ride her and Louise rode her, and she was so far back that she, she, didn't, she didn't show up at all. So... And the races that she's been with me, she's been closer to the pace, not too far back, but she's she's run much better that way. So hopefully she just break well enough. And obviously going a mile a quarter, she should be close to the, to the front runners. Well, it's a great race and I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, it's a, it's a great renewal of the great one, Alabama. So I can't wait to see who comes out on top. We'll see. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I mean, I, I always like this Philly. I think if she, if she puts her mind to it, and she's doing well. I think she can win it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, circling back to Gamine and you saying, you know, wherever she goes, I'm going to go. Uh, Kentucky Oak is in three and a half weeks. Has there been any more clarity in relation to what jockeys need to do to get down to Churchill Downs in terms of the quarantining? It's It's been, you know, quite up in the air with everything that's going on. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, we're all kind of grasping at straws and trying to figure out how everything's working. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting. Uh, I mean, uh, they, they, uh, Kentucky came out with a uh, sort of protocol for how many people they're, they're coming in you know, to let in on the racetrack on the, that weekend. Um, and I heard they're coming up with something more for jockeys and uh, and owners uh, and trainers as well, obviously. Um, so we're still waiting. I see Adam. I don't know if we open the air, but obviously wherever she goes, I'd like to be on her. <laughs> She's such a good mount. You don't want to give her up no matter what the quarantine rules are, right? Exactly. Exactly, yes. Well, t- so talking about that weekend, if you're going to go for the Kentucky o- Oaks, I'm hoping you might have a Kentucky Derby horse on the horizon that gets your guidance in this year's renewal. Well, I mean, I'm still waiting. Uh, I-, I think I'm going to ride one of Bob's in-, in the race, though, you know. So um, he has me on one of his horses. So whatever he... He's as open. I'm, I'm going to ride, you know. So he has said that uh, Mike's me had to ride another horse, not, no one on his. So he he's just going to keep me one one of his horses anyway. So 
whichever it is, I don't know. <laughs> That's not a bad stable to be heading into the Kentucky Derby for. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So at least you know you you go in with a really good chance when you're riding for Bob and all the good horses he's bringing to the Derby. So I'm excited for it, definitely. I know this is such a cliche question, but you have won the Kentucky Derby twice before, 2011 with Animal Kingdom and 2017 with Always Dreaming. How different is it going to be this year if you end up on a good horse and you end up, you know, let's say, uh, let's say you're lucky you end up being able to put your horse's head in front. Uh, there's not going to be any crowds. Right. Is that, well, there are going to be 25,000 people as soon as like they they were talking about him, but it's not. Yeah. It's going to be very very little people. If, if yeah. you know, compared to years before, obviously they'll have one hundred fifty thousand people in there, one hundred sixty thousand people in there. So it's going to be very weird, though. You know, but you know, since we've been doing this for most of the year already, um, so we are a little bit used to it. Um, not having so many people there is strange anyway. It just no matter how we put it, you know, just not having the crowd and and this time in from the crowd that really pumps everybody up and and gets everybody's you know, excitement, you know, into the races. But it's weird, though. Um, but anyway, I mean, but we have to do our job. We have to go out there and do the best job that we can do and, 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 and win races. So uh, I'm still excited, you know, you're part, being part of the Derby, you know, for th- this many years and having the opportunity to, to, to still be in there and, and going with a good horse. So we got to take the opportunities and hopefully we, we have another one on, on the record. <laughs> Well, very much hope so too for you. And talking about the prevalence of the COVID-19 pandemic, how has the experience been so far for you and the other jockeys? Well, you know, we've done pretty well, though, you know, since, to tell you the truth, I mean, since at least the East Coast and even San Anita when, when they started racing back uh, on San Anita, that they have everybody tested every week and, and staying on the racetrack. And, and since we started and and the protocols here and even traveling, you kind of test yourself before you go somewhere else. You get there, you're in a separate separate Jackie's room. And then you come back to whatever it is that you're supposed to come back. You have to test yourself to come back to, uh, uh, for example, to back to New York. And you're in the separate Jackie's room until you get your test back that, you know, you're negative. And then you're allowed to go back to into the uh, into the regular Jackie's room, if you will. Uh, so it worked. I think it, it, we did really, really well until um, we had an episode that obviously in California had 15 jockeys who were positive and a couple of those jockeys that were traveling were there when like Luis Ayes and, and, and Foran who flew to California and came back and, and they were positive. But it was still the way the protocols we had here, at least in the East Coast and the, and the Midwest, like Kentucky, it worked because even though they were positive, when they came back, they were in a different Jackie's room. So it was not spread out anywhere, you know, so it was contained to them. Obviously, everybody was uh, was checked after that. Everybody was negative except those two guys uh, who, you know, for, unfortunately, you know, got the, uh, the COVID-19 from, from somewhere else. So, uh, so I think the protocols were really, really well done testing everybody before you go somewhere else, coming back as well and being in different jackets room. So it protects everybody though, you know, and, and, and then being separated in the jackets room, taking temperatures, all that. I think we did very, very well. And, and for us to be traveling and, and doing uh, what we're supposed to be doing, doing the job and going different places. So it worked. So hopefully we can, we can start doing that here pretty soon that, uh, protocols are still in place that, that you can travel over places and, uh, and they ride, you know, the big races, obviously. So 
um, hopefully we can we can continue doing that. Well, that's very important because the nature of your job is to be able to go with these great horses to the the top class races around the country, right? Absolutely. You know, this is what brings you everywhere in the country. You know, you ride a lot of horses and you, you try to fly everywhere where, where they go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the protocols worked really well. Um, and and we, we had everybody safe and uh, hopefully continue like that, though. You know, I mean, obviously the, uh, the times has changed so much and with this coronavirus and uh, different places that didn't have that, that many cases. Now they have way too many cases. So it was still scary. It's still out there, but you know we have we have to take care of ourselves and we continue testing ourselves and and do the right thing. You know, stay separated from other people, and uh, so we can continue. You know, working. Well, massive praise to all the race courses with everything, all the measures that they've implemented so far. I mean, it, it keeps changing by the week. And aside from your professional life, how has it affected your family? Have you guys been able to you know stay safe? And has it changed much of your life? Well, I mean. It has changed a lot because we don't go anywhere, you know, um, to be safe and uh, having family, you know, my wife's mother is being in chemotherapy and all that stuff. So we have to be careful what we do and where we go. So, and that's why I test myself twice or three times a week when I'm traveling, coming home. I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm healthy enough that I don't get anybody sick when I come home and, uh, and get her, you know, sex with, COVID-19, which is, uh, and chemotherapy and all of that. So, so we got to be careful. So we've been very good. Um, I feel that for my children, that they've been house arrest for most of the time. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, they don't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how they managed to, you know, to be as good as, as, good as, as, as they are and being home and not going anywhere. So they're proud of them and that they, they have stuck with it and, and doing really well and with us in the house. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you're all staying safe and healthy. And, and oh gosh, it, it is a, a very challenging time. It seems like I'm a broken record, keep coming back to it. But it is the main influence in our lives right now that we have to navigate. But let's go back to So the last time we chatted for, it wasn't for my own podcast. It was for the In The Money Network. And we were chatting at length about your 2019 uh, Breeders' Cup prospects. So this is quite a while ago. Um, I guess it's time to start looking at any potential horses for the 2020 renewal at Keenan. And, and we mentioned Gamine. I'm, I'd love to see her rock up in, in the yeah. um, Breeders' Cup distaff. Any news on Code of Honor? Is he planning on going to the Classical? He ran fourth in the Whitney last time out. Yeah, I, I don't know. They haven't said anything. I, I asked Shub, how did he come back? He seems to come back okay. Um, so he kind of ran a, a flat race. Uh, a little bit, obviously, when you don't win and they don't run as you expect, you get disappointed. So hopefully he's okay, that he can come back and rebound from, from that race and see where we are. So obviously, I mean, I don't know, you know, they, they, have, they haven't said any, anything about the plants after basically the Oaks. Um, and then just really thinking about trying to pick up some some other horses going in, into the previous Cup. I don't have any any babies, like I haven't ride any, uh, babies who are, you know, thinking going to the British Cup, yes, so hopefully we pick up a, a couple of babies going to the British Cup, but we'll go from there. It's, 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 it's a weird year. I mean, there hasn't been that many races for babies and not much going on. So uh, we don't know yet, really. You know, we're going to wait in the next couple of months, you know, at least this now in August and September and see uh, how things changes and how the, the 
racing develops with the young horses, you know? Yeah, it's been very different indeed. And would you say that now, the, due to obviously the, the, the regulations that are in place to protect us all, you won't be able to get on as many horses in the morning and, and sort of like try and scope out horses? Because I know you guys have to go through the paddock to work horses in the morning. How has that affected everything? No, it affects us a lot because we don't get to ride, you know, to get on many horses in the morning. I have not worked one horse since Raptogas because I'm here. So, oh. I mean, it's it's very weird that, you know, you come here and you expect that you'd be uh, bracing a lot of horses and, and uh, a lot of babies, which that's not the norm when you come over here and not have, I haven't worked one yet. So, um, it has changed a lot. Definitely. Very strange. Is that sort of out of self-protection or is it because a lot of the trainers just want to get their horses, you know, straight to the track from the backside and not have to go through the paddock, exactly. which obviously gets them riled up? Yeah. So it's, most of the thing is because obviously that bringing the horses to the paddock and also so they, they have not used a lot of jockeys unless it's a stake race that you have to go in uh, and brace the horse for the stake. But for the most part, you know, no one wants to do it. You know, there's, it's a lot to, you know, to come to the paddock and get the horses rolled up and try to go back again and try to, get a schedule for you know obviously for the next set also kind of uh it delays everything for for the sets for for the trainers as well so it's a little bit harder definitely yeah for sure and i was uh, sort of looking through horses that you rode recently so trying to sort of pick up any pieces of information whilst i have you on the line do, do you know how frank's roquette's doing uh, she was last seen winning the grade three victory ride with you in the saddle at belmont yeah, I, you know, unfortunately, if she runs next, I think she run a uh, derby weekend, so I wouldn't be here. I, I did hear she's doing well, but um, unfortunately, if I do go to the uh, to the derby weekend, Oaks and Derby, I wouldn't be here if, if that's the case. I don't know if she's going to run here or they're, they'll take a chance to go to Kentucky with her, so I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it, God, it is a, it's a tricky one. Do you feel like as a jockey, in a way, you're trying to handicap your way through the season, trying to, you know, see where you're going, following these good horses more even than normal? Um, in this, yes, in this way or living that we have right now, yes. I mean, and unfortunately, um, we have so many good races everywhere. So, um, and you try to handicap or where to go. But for the most part, I do leave my agent to to make the decision for me, though, you know. Uh, we, we do talk about it and what, what we like and what we think is best for us. But uh, for the most part, I do let him, let him do his job. That's where I pay him. <laughs> well, talking about your agent, you've recently moved and you're with Bron Anderson now. Uh, what is that relationship like? It's obviously a change for you. Uh, I must admit, probably won't, wouldn't have been an easy change to go through, but how's it going so far? Oh, no, it's always a difficult change, obviously, from one from Angel to, um, to Ron. I mean, it's... It's just a personal thing, and the relationship with had it uh, with with Angel, you know, so so different than the just a working relationship. So, um, but it, you know, it has gone well with Ron. I mean, I'm pretty easy. I don't really put any pressure or anything to my agents. Anyway, this is what we we pay the agents to to do their job, and this is for for them to do the best, uh, picking the best horses the the they need to ride. So, I I don't know. For me. I'm pretty easy, so uh, I leave it really to 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 the agents to do their job. So, uh, so I try to get along with anybody. So, 
<laughs> well, it's it's. I find it interesting because um, I got Ruben Munoz on this podcast before, who's Ricardo Santana Jr.'s agent, and you know, just talking with them and the relationship. I think a lot of outsider people don't know that you know you're really a team. You're a two man team, and you're trying to you know get on the best horses and and make you know get as many wins as you can, right? Absolutely. That's all. That's all. You know what we're trying to do. You know, try to get the best horses if possible and and win. Also, sometimes you, um, when you have a stable and people that you ride the most, you try to lean to more more to for, uh, to the stable the people who ride in you the most you know, to make the decision for you. Uh, but you know, for the most part, you you want to ride the best horse. You know, that's the only way they're going to keep you here and while well, you win it and everything. Everybody everybody wants you when you win it anyway. Well, were there any periods during your career that you would say you wouldn't have been as fashionable or has it been pretty steady over the last three decades? I mean, for me, because I had many accidents, you know, in, in my career so far. So it, you, you get this slows that, you know, coming back and, and try to re-engage, if you will, with the people who who have been giving you opportunities and stuff like that. So, um, so you get the slow times. I mean, every time you have an accident, it's definitely a... A slow time to come back and try to to prove yourself again, if you will. You know that you still can do the job and and be productive. You know on the horses. So um, I had many of those, many of those years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, just like I said before, I'm very competitive and I'm, I want to do what's best. Uh, what I'm riding, try to make the best uh, the the best uh, move, if you will, or the best decisions to. Uh, where we can win races and uh, try to make the less mistakes possible. So this is what, you know, has bring me all my career. So I, I, I want to do what's best no matter what, you know, no matter what kind of horse I ride on, what kind of race I'm riding, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best as possible to win a race. So and that's the, the way I look at it, you know. So I don't want to go out there just to go out there, going around, that's for sure. I want to win races um, and has proved that, you know, over and over again that, uh I can do the job. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've proven that quite well. I mean, you're the all-time leading earner in North America. You were inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2012. So I'm pretty sure that you've you've shown what you can do here on the track and continue to do so. Well, you have to be prepared for it. You know, and you got the ups and downs, you know, and obviously in, uh, uh, things happen that you, you don't write for the same people for a little while and and whatever happens, so, you know, so you, you, you got to be prepared for it and continue going forward, do the best job you can do, try to get all the horses and other people that will give you opportunities and you, you got to you know, prove yourself again. So, uh, so it's, it's been a roller coaster, no matter what, you know, uh, you have many of those uh, throughout the years, at least for me, you know, I've been around for a long time now. Uh, so I'm a little bit used to it, you know, you, you try to keep your head up and do the best job you can do and, uh, and always come back to you. You know, as long as you're healthy, you know, if you feel healthy and you still can do the job and prove yourself, uh, pray to God they give you health and nothing happens to you, you keep going. Well, it certainly is mentally also a very challenging job. How do you deal with the ups and downs that you just mentioned? Well, I just don't change much, though. I don't, I don't change my style of writing. I don't change anything. I just think that those things are going to happen anyway. Not everybody um, can be at the best, you know, every day on their life, you know, so you, you got to be prepared for it, you know. So those days when it comes down, you got to take the good ones with the bad ones and the bad ones with the good ones and, and continue to do what you do best 
uh, that those those slump, the slumps and whatever you want to call it, they're, they're, they're gonna go away. You know, they they'll they'll come back to good days and the good horses will come back. Uh, just gotta stick around. Like I said, like you gotta be healthy to stick around uh, and be strong enough to you know to keep your head up and uh, keep going for the for the job that you do and the best the best way that you can do it. Uh, so I don't change much. You know, I I say so I I don't. Think I have to prove anything to anybody, you know, other than yourself, that you can uh, do the job as good as always. So, um, and then, and that's it. You know, you gotta get opportunities. When you get the opportunities, you gotta do the best you can. Well, very wise words of keeping your head up no matter what happens and believing in yourself. I'd say that's what has gotten you so far. Now, I'd like to round up this interview by going back to where we started there you were talking about relationships with barns and trainers how was the relationship that you and bob bafford developed i don't know you know to say it's true i don't write a lot for him but he's uh, there are years that he calls me to you know I, I need you to come in and ride this horse or i'm sending a horse to you over there and i always had very uh very good luck with him you know so um it's not a relationship that arrives every year. Every year, obviously, I'm not in, in the on the West Coast. So, but um, every time he calls me for something or something over here, hey, I need you for this horse. Uh, I'm always there, you know. So he's given me a really good opportunity. So I'm very thankful for it, you know, for a guy that uh, writes me uh, not all year long, but it, every time he sends me something, sends me something really good and very proud to be in that part of you know his mind, if you will. <laughs> so I'm gonna send this one to John. He's he'll feed this one good. So. Um, and I've been very lucky with them. So definitely. So for the betters that are listening, if you are going out to ride one for Bob Baffert, uh, it has a very good chance of winning, to say the least. I believe so. You know, every time he's called me for something seriously, you know, he's, he doesn't call me for something that he doesn't think is going to win. Though. You know, he's just like, I got a good one for you and I need you to come here or he's going to send something here, though, you know. So he's always had something that... uh that it, that it has to show up, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're his go-to man, that's also because you've done so incredibly well. And Johnny, thank you so much for sitting down with me tonight. I very much appreciate your time and honesty. It's a, it's not an easy time, but we're all navigating it the best we can. And uh, I wish you the best of luck over the next few days. I'll see you at Saratoga. Thank you. That would be very nice. And hopefully these horses start running for me. <laughs> Thank you so much again to Johnny Velasquez who graciously allowed me to question him about all these different topics and follow him uh, at Saratoga. He uh, he puts in a winner or two. On Saturday, big stakes day, the Alabama stakes for the three-year-old Phillies or a mile and a quarter and of course the Saratoga Derby and then on Sunday the Saratoga Oaks both on turf Tune in, guys. It's a, There's never a shortage of any action at the spa. Next week, I don't know what I have in store for you next week. I guess you have to tune in and find out. Of course, thank you so much to everyone at the In The Money Media Network. And as I mentioned before, go and tune in to the main flagship show hosted by Peter Thomas Fornatel and, of course, JK Plus One back at it again. You know the reference. Matt Bernier's got his own show every Monday, I do believe. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong here, Monday. 
and of course Spencer. It's just it's it's super exciting. There's no shortage of content. I always very much enjoy working with these guys. We actually did a fantasy derby draft, which was the first time ever for me. I feel like uh, I got quite lucky. I got the first pick, and of course I picked your boy Taste the Law. So uh, yeah, I'd say I'm the favorite, and uh, let's see how it goes. See you next week, same day, time, maybe. I'll try to, but you know where to find me. 